Well, here we are again. Welcome to Music Heads, your weekly essential music digest. I'm your host, Bill DeVille. In this installment, we'll have a chat with Janet Weiss of Wild Flag about the music spinning on her iPod and the guest list. For the Essentials Morning Show co-host Steve Seal will talk about one of his favorites from Brian Eno. Co-music director Melanie Walker has the next big thing. She's all set to wax about the new band from down south called Alabama Shakes. And in the music meeting, we'll break down the new Wilco album. It's all in this episode of Music Heads. But first, it's time for the music cast. Time now for the music cast. In with the news, it's Jill Riley. Hi, Jill. Hey, Bill. Starting out in the music news this week, as you've probably already heard, unless you've been living under some sort of rock in the past week, after battling pancreatic cancer for seven years, Apple founder and CEO Steve Jobs passed away last Wednesday at the age of 56. And uh, Steve Jobs, well, why are we mentioning mentioning him in the music news? Well, I mean, think about it. He revolutionized the way we listen to, purchase, download, create, and discover music. And uh, he's a huge loss to the creative world and the music industry. You know, we didn't as even mention. Yeah, we didn't even mention things that uh, you can do through through the through the uh, through the Mac through the Apple system, like Pro Tools. Oh, sure, yeah. Pro Tools. And then so the, musicians probably you know wouldn't be where they are if not for Steve Jobs. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, things have been made quite easy when it comes to uh, to making music. In other sad news, British folk guitarist Bert Yanch reportedly died last Wednesday of lung cancer at the age of 67. Yanch started out in the British folk community in England during the 60s with his group Pentangle and continued to make nearly two dozen solo albums beyond. You know, he was hugely influ- influential with like uh, anybody who ever picked up an acoustic guitar. You know, he's hugely influential. He, the musicians name drop him early and often. Oh, sure. It's a, it's a and, big loss. And there's a good chance that uh, perhaps you've heard his name, but mm-hmm. maybe not heard his music. Right. Additionally, former Weezer bassist Mikey Welsh died at the age of 40 in Chicago on Saturday. Welsh performed and recorded with Weezer from 98 to uh, to 01 on the self-titled Green album, but inevitably quit after a nervous breakdown. That was part of the statement mm-hmm. that Weezer yeah. released. Um, it was suspected that he died of a drug overdose, oh, but, uh, but the official um, cause of death hasn't been released yet. Right. After losing their case last year, the American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers, you've probably heard it as ASCAP, were denied an appeal by the Supreme Court last week. The group was attempting to retain artists' rights with digitally downloaded music. However, it was ruled by the court that, quote, music is neither recited, rendered, nor played when a record, electronic or otherwise, is simply delivered to a potential listener. Hmm. 
I guess the judge spoke. <laughs> so there it is. Yeah. I don't have a gavel here. Yeah. In other label news, RCA released last week that they'll be shutting down three of their fairly well-known sub-labels in the near future. Arista, Jay, and Jive Records are all seeing their days out as RCA executives Peter Edge and Tom Corson announced the back catalogs and current signed artists of the labels will now release through RCA. A few notable artists from the three labels include Iggy Pop and Lou Reed in the late 70s, uh, Prince, Outkast, The Notorious B.I.G., Aretha Franklin, A Tribe Called Quest, Aaliyah, and even Britney Spears. I guess you could say another one bites the dust, huh? For sure. Yeah. Yeah, Another three, anyway. Years, yeah. Another one bust the dust. Another one bust the dust. Ow! Another one bust the dust. Hey, hey! Another one bust the dust. Hey! Rock biopics, one of my favorite things. Mm, Filmmaker John Scheinfeld has taken on the ultimate challenge by deciding to cast an unknown to play. The King, to play Elvis Presley. Titled Fame and Fortune, the film is from the perspective of the King's best friend, Sonny West. Walking you through their 17-year relationship, Scheinfeld decided to cast an unknown who truly embodies the essence of Elvis instead of casting a well-known actor who may detract from the level of reality he's hoping to instill. Yeah, he's not going to be unknown for very long, though, I suspect, huh? Well, you know, I think about it... um, and, you know, looking at someone like Joaquin Phoenix playing Johnny Cash, which he did very well very in Walk well. the Line. Yes. But, um, you know, there have been some Elvis movies with kind of like bigger actors. And it is kind of hard to to um, to separate the two. Yeah. And this actor could be pigeonholed, too. as like, oh, he's the Elvis guy. And, you know, that could hurt his career, too. One never knows how these things work out. Maybe Jack White should have been recast as Elvis Presley. <laughs> I like it. Was it Walk Hard? He was Elvis. He had <laughs> yeah. just a little role as Elvis Presley. So that'll do it for the music news. Thanks for dropping by as usual, sure. Joe. New in stores this week, there are some biggies, including Ben Lee, Deeper Into Dreams, Biophilia, the new Bjork album, Crooked Fingers, Breaks in the Armor. Also new albums this week from Symbols, Eat Guitars, Electric Six, Erasure's new album is Tomorrow's World, Himalayan Bear has a new one, as does Joe Henry, called Reverie. Julian Lennon has a new one, Marquita Urglova, as well as Mayor Hawthorne, Rachel Yamagata, William Shatner. Yep, that William Shatner has a new album called Seeking Major Tom, and New Non Plue has a new album called Freudian Slip. And an album I'm really excited about is the new Ryan Adams album. He sold out his December show here in the Twin Cities, and it's more of a return to his country rock roots on this one. The album is called Ashes and Fire. Here's the track called Lucky Now on Music Heads. I don't remember when we wild and young All that's faded in the memory I feel like somebody I don't know Are we really who we used to be? Am I really who I was? Well, the lights will draw you in And the dark will bring you down your heart only if you're lucky now
got music ads from 89.3 The Current, and joining me is Melanie Walker for the next big thing. Who is it this week, Melanie? Today, Bill, I've got the next big soul revival band to come on the scene. It's a band called the Alabama Shakes. I'm not going to disagree with you because I like this as much as you do. Oh, I know. This is totally up your alley. Oh, no way. Shakes started out um, as a band called The Shakes, and they had to unfortunately change their name for legal reasons. I guess there's lots of bands out there called The Shakes. Never going to be as big as this band, probably, but (laughs) wanted to claim their territory. But the Alabama Shakes are a a soul rock band out of Athens, Alabama, that are formed by um, Brittany Howard, who's the lead singer, Zach Crockwell, uh, Steve Johnson, and Heath Fogg. And they formed back in 2009. And the story of the Shakes starts when um, Brittany, the lead singer, and Zach um, became playing together when they were classmates. And then they soon met, uh, you know, Steve for the band and and he worked at the only music store in town. So they became close, started mm-hmm. jamming with him. And then uh, they also met Heath, who had a band called Tuco's Pistol um, and was playing a local show and invited them to come and open. And then he soon started to jam and play with them as well. So it kind of evolved really organically and naturally. Yeah. And so they kind of threw on that name, The Shakes, thought it was a little bit of a generic name, but it'll do for now. And then it just stuck. And so this band uh, started playing out live a lot, and the rumors about how fantastic the Alabama Shakes are live just spread like wildfire. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems there's not often that the opener will kind of take all the claim for the show, and and it seems like every show they play, Bill, they sell out all of their EPs, and the crowd just goes buck wild for them. One, two, three. Are you too? hanging out with uh, the manager for the Jayhawks. Uh, the Jayhawks recently played at the Fitzgerald Theater, and I went out with the manager for dinner afterwards, and we were just chatting about music and what we like, and 
he was like, oh man, you gotta check out this band. And I'm like, who are they? The Alabama Shakes. He's like, it's the best thing I've heard in a really, really long time. And he slipped the EP over to me, and we heard it here at the station, and all of us were just completely floored by it. That was that was amazing, because you slapped in the CD, and the first couple of notes, it's like, these guys got it. I mean, there's kind of angular guitar licks, and it's kind of it's kind of rock and soul. It's yeah. finger-licking good southern soul. Greasy, yeah. greasy music. Greasy music. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really like a revival-infused kind of yeah. soul rock and roll. She's got a little Janis Joplin in there. A little Aretha Franklin, A little too. Aretha Franklin. Franklin, even mm-hmm. a little Otis Redding, too. Yeah, I mean, she yeah. doesn't sound manly. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying she's very soulful and really passionate on the stage. And her backing band is is just as passionate and yeah. just as talented. And I, I'm i just really excited to hear more about this band because they're getting um, all kinds of press from people. NPR Music's a big fan yeah. and National Public Radio, The Guardian. I mean, there were a couple of different industry people with me when, when we first listened to this band together and everybody was just like they're going to be the hot ticket next year they have this ep out right now and they're gonna they have a full album that they've actually recorded but they're they're being shopped around right now bill to the record labels and and they're and they're in a good position right now because they they kind of get to pick who they want to go with because everybody's clamoring to get at them so it's going to be really cool to see this album come out next year and see what's going to happen with them yeah one thing the first thing i noticed when you slapped that cd and we were listening is not every band has this, but they know a groove. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they that know That song, a Hold On, that's yeah. what I played for you, and mm-hmm. that song has got a deep, bluesy, soulful groove. think of the Rolling Stones. Oh, there's definitely a little a little of the, the Southern soul from the Rolling yeah. Stones going mm-hmm. on there. Uh, and, and I think on the EP, they have a nice selection of sounds going on. You know, there's there's some that are a little bit more rockin'. There's some that definitely stick to the more, like, revival soul sound. Yeah. And there's some that are just straight blues, like that Hold On track is really bluesy. Yeah, there's, there's a big market for music like this. Definitely. Yeah. I feel like there's this huge soul revival going on in the world mm-hmm. of uh, non-commercial radio and independent music that's really exciting with Sharon Jones and the Dab Kings, Mayor Hawthorne. Even the Roots are going back. John Legend's, you know, looking back. It's it's a very exciting time to rediscover, you know, the music that inspired them to begin with. And, you know, they, they don't really even sound like Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. No. They're much more angular and muscular, and it's not... Uh, it's not as funky. It, no, there's yeah. no horns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no horn section. It's a guitar-driven band. It's a definitely a guitar-driven band. They're mm-hmm. they're very exciting, and I'm really looking forward to seeing where they're going to go next. So is there any music you'd like us to listen to off of this? Yes. Song? The Hold On track? Is that what you think we, we should check out? Well, actually, the song that I want to play is the one that I think demonstrates that um, that angularness that you've been talking about, that guitar-driven sound. Mm-hmm. It's a track called I Found You by uh, the Alabama Shakes.
Thanks for dropping by. Melanie Walker for the Essentials feature here on Music Heads. Thanks, Bill. This is the summertime. Yeah, it's for always. I'm going to love you with all of my heart. And if there is no more time, it's always remain. The Current from Minnesota Public Radio. My name's Bill DeVille, and uh, it's time for our our guest list here on Music Heads. Janet Weiss of the band Wild Flag is kind enough to drop by and share some of the music she loves with us. Welcome, Janet. Hi, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Welcome to the Twin Cities. So, what you been listening to? Well, I've got a favorite band at the moment. It's a band from San Francisco, and Mm -hmm. they're called the OCs. The OCs, technically. What is it about the OCs that you like? This is... This is a band that will renew your faith in in rock and roll music, I truly believe. I think people in Minneapolis actually would appreciate uh, their live show. It's like just the most uh, electrifying, energetic, dangerous, exciting live band. Like hearkening back to the days, I think, you know, like the Minneapolis heyday when when bands were wild and rowdy and you never knew it was going to happen. and. Um, exciting, you know, really exciting and very raw. And mm-hmm. uh, they remind me a little bit of the Stooges in certain ways that they kind of work a, a repetitive sort of blues riff, but give it like a sort of rockabilly kind of feel to it. They're very garagey, but... Boy, you're, you're peaking my curiosity. <laughs> oh, they're, inc- they're incredible. <laughs> this is a guy, John Dwyer, who's the yeah. mastermind, and he's been in a bunch of bands. He's he's no spring chicken, but he's... Uh, he is just phenomenal, mm-hmm. phenomenal to watch. And they have a record called Help, uh, actually recorded by Chris Woodhouse, who recorded our oh really our record. Yeah, it was a big reason why we went to Sacramento to work with him. Just, just so I think he records their records totally live, vocals, music, everything, and it just has this this uh, absolute vibe that is so terrific. It don't feel too good to be. Dead in the 21st century Dead in the 21st century I am dirt but I can be I am dirt but I can be A home for wayward hungry sea So 
so that's your first pick, the OCs. The OCs. How about, how about another one? Uh, my second pick would be a band called uh, War on Drugs. Oh, the, the Philadelphia band, sure, right? And I just, yeah. heard, I, I was sitting in a restaurant in New York. We played a festival in New York with Sonic Youth, and I went out to dinner one night, and this record was playing uh, start to finish, and I shazammed it. Yeah. And it said The War on Drugs, and I had heard about that. I think Kurt Vile used to be in The War yeah, on Drugs. Yeah, now he and, went solo. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, this record was just really... Uh, just sounded great and sounded like an actual album, you know, song yeah. to song and um, had some great guitar sounds and um, reminded me maybe a little bit of like the shoegazer, like a uh, swerve driver or, yeah. um, you know, kind of the British early 90s, uh, but with sort of more contemporary vocals. And every now and then it sounds a little bit like Bruce Springsteen, surprisingly. Yeah, enough. you know, the first one, <laughs> the first album to me reminded me a little bit of like, uh, you know, 1965 Bob Dylan. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, so. I think he, he definitely wears his influence influences yeah. mm-hmm. but uh as an as an album it was uh, really great to just listen to the whole thing and i you know it's, it's not every day that i sh- shazam something but yeah. the album hadn't even come out yet and it came up on there and i just waited a couple days and then bought it and i've been listening to it a lot it's a great driving record very good janet thanks so much for sure. dropping by and sharing some of the music you love with us okay. and uh, i hope the tour goes well with Thank you. wild flag thanks a mm-hmm. lot Heads from 893 The Current. Now it's time for the music meeting. Joining me today is uh, program director of NPR News. Steve Nelson is here. Hi, Steve. Hi, Bill. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And Brett Baldwin, our senior web producer for The Current and others, is here as well. Hi, Brett. Hey, Bill. How's it going? Going good. Wilco's eighth album is called The Whole Love. With this one, they prove they're still a vital band with what many are calling their best since 2002's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. This is probably Wilco's strongest lineup in their history as well. This band is a band that sounds like they're up for any challenge. Maybe it's the fact that the album was recorded in its entirety in the Chicago studio, or maybe it's the fact that they're now their own bosses on their own label. The Whole Love is a wildly eclectic album which set the tone right out of the gate with the album's first track, The Art of Almost, and Never Lets Up. You can hear elements of everything from the Beatles to Radiohead to Randy Newman on the album, but ultimately the album sounds like Wilco. Jeff Tweedy's songwriting seems confident. This is a band clicking on all cylinders. Here's a track from The Whole Love called I Might, here on Music Heads.
The album is called The Whole Love. It's Wilco. Brett, is the album working for you? Absolutely, Bill. Uh, I've been a little hesitant to dive into Wilco again. I have to say my... Did my you f- jump off the bandwagon for I a jumped while? off after uh, Ghost is Born, actually. I it just After that, it didn't really do much for me. But I got to tell you, my, my two favorite Wilco records are Being There and Summer Teeth. And I think... The Whole Love brings together the bol- the best of both of those records and, and really is a solid listen from start to finish. That's a pretty nice compliment uh, regarding Wilco. I think those so. Those are you know, I mean, solid I mean, picks, your, your album choices. They're, like I said, they're, they're two of my favorite Wilco records, but they're two of my favorite records of all time, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What song would you like us to check out? Well, I really uh, enjoyed Standing O because it reminded me of uh, Hotel Arizona on being there. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of uh, fun rock and roll number with a little wink and a smile. You got the hand claps in there in Standing O, and it, it just powers through a couple minutes, and, and you're done, and then you're on into some of the more, well, let's face it, Jeff Tweedy can be kind of a depressing songwriter yeah. from time to time he, he can kind of evoke some sadness and so i i kind of tend towards the more poppy fun numbers and that's that's why that one does it for me i thought he showed a little bit of a self-deprecating humor with lines like i'm not the same as almost everyone and lines like that in the song yeah that was a nice touch. i thought that was funny he's like you know I'm, I'm not afraid of anything i've ever done and yeah. i just think that that's hilarious because he's really kind of a mopey dude sometimes mm-hmm. how can you tell under a spell A compromise of miles away Slow How do you know When you're in a low There's nothing in your heart Don't feel it in your soul No Steve Nelson, all right, is the album working for you? It is working for me. In fact, I think it's it's a very solid album, and I think one of the great things about a band like Wilco, this is their eighth studio record, mm-hmm. right? How great is it that a band that has put out this many records can still put out a record that you can actually say, you know what? That is a fantastic record. So you get a lot of heritage artists. I think let's just use an example, Elvis Costello. He made a lot of really important work in his early years. And frankly, I don't think Elvis Costello has had a really great record in, what, 15 years maybe? Well, I might disagree with you. But. <laughs> That's fine. That's the great That's part about music. Yeah, a different subject but, matter. But. but what I love is that so sometimes those heritage artists get sort of a... Um, they get sort of a, eh, it's pretty, it's not bad, it's pretty good, it's better than most stuff that's coming out today. But what I like about this record is I think it's so good that I actually think it's right up there with their best work. I, I think mean, it so sounds too. like, Brent, you think so too. I, mean, I absolutely agree, yeah. So for me, it's, it's almost. It's almost more exciting to hear a great record from an old band than a great record from a new band. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. But you know, the whole thing is with Wilco, they've kept it fresh enough through their whole career. They've never seemed like an old band to me, which is really a compliment, I think. Yeah, well, although I think that some of the uh, Wilco haters might disagree with yeah, you. I mean, yeah. well, I've, I've, I've also noticed there's kind of a backlash on this record, more so than I think I've seen for other Wilco records. It f- feels like a lot of people are saying, boy, it's dad rock. It's no good. Well, they've been stuck with that tag for a little bit too long, that whole dad rock. Rock <laughs> well, I don't be, know. I don't know if I even like that. I don't. I don't mind it being a dad, but you know, 
I, I do think that, um, that that's great, and that's fine. And if Wilco is in your cup of tea, that's fine. But for me, I like Wilco a lot, and mm. I really like this record a lot. And I think that in, in for this record, one of the things I like about it is its structure. It's, uh, it's very album-based. It's not so much single-based. And what I like is that with the very first track, for example, The Art of Almost, it's sort of this seven-long epic. And then the album ends with another, like, 12-minute epic song but i think the art of almost the leadoff track it has this great start to it it almost sort of announces everything that you're going to hear on the record yeah setting it up with a great like two minute intro that builds into strings and it gets really quiet and it goes to tweety singing and you hear the the glitches and the bleeps and the bloops and it's just it's a great track to kick off the record i think i think so too and part of it is it starts off in kind of this electronic radio head mode mm-hmm. and then it kind of gets into this runaway freight train mode with, uh, I believe it's probably Nels Klein goes kind of unhinged on the guitar in the song. Mm -hmm. It's hugely experimental and it's really a bold way to begin an album. Yeah, the last two minutes are Nels just wailing on the guitar. One of the other things that I thought was really interesting is it feels to me like throughout the record that the bass guitar takes a more prominent role than it has in other Wilco records. Mm-hmm. So in that first track, there's a lot of fuzzed out bass, but I think the bass lines are really imaginative and in- interesting in this in this record, which I don't think has been a, a huge part of Wilco in the past. Right. Yeah. I think that's I think that's an interesting point, Steve, because it, in some ways, uh, I mean, we we were talking about Jeff Tweedy being, you know, at the forefront with all of his songwriting. What I what I loved about the art of almost was that that last bit of Nels Klein just just shredding on the guitar. Yeah, yeah. But what it reminded me of was um, the end of uh, Sunken Treasure on being there. Sorry to go back to that one, but when Jeff Tweedy is just shouting nothing, nothing, nothing over and over again, it's just this cathartic emotional thing. But he's seated that over to Nels Klein, and he's able yeah. to do this just wailing kind of amazing emotional kind of thing. I guess it's not emotional, it's rocking, right? But like, it really 
just kicks it out and in a way that I don't think the band has been allowed to do as much in the past. So here's, let me ask you guys this question. So it seems to me that this is what the third studio record where Wilco has been together as this unit. I was right? going to say that it seems like Mr. Tweedy has all the pieces lined. I mean, he's got the, the best band he's ever had. These are the guys it seems like he's always wanted to work with. And it, it, seem, it seems like these guys are, I mean, they're at the top of their game right now. And uh, it's just amazing that they have, they can do whatever they want, and, you know, and there'll be some backlash, but they're in this place now where they can deliver the, the album that they want to deliver. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're just in this blessed place where no, every band wants to be there, and, and they're about the only ones that seem to be in this place. Well, and previously, does it, it seems like Jeff would have falling out with yeah. members of the band and whoever, and I, and I wonder, sometimes I wondered if that creative tension was actually helping the band, but for, for whatever reason right now, and if you've seen them live recently, and I know they're coming to Minneapolis here in December, uh, for two shows, I, I just they're clicking live. They must be clicking in the studio as yeah, well. This is the so. first record that they recorded entirely in their loft space, and it just seems like they're functioning as a unit, you know, better than they ever have before. Yeah, they're clicking on all eight cylinders, however many <laughs> <laughs> cylinders there are, and uh, making some of their best music of their career. I've been young, I've been old, I've been hurt and consoled, heart of cold. is if someone has never heard Wilco before, and there are people out there like that, um, wh- wh- do you think this is a good starting point for them, or do you think that they should go somewhere else? No, I think I think this wouldn't be a bad place to start. It's a little bit of everything from Wilco. It's a mixed bag of, of all the different things that they're good at and, and uh, some that they're not the best at, but it, this is them, warts and all. Here's Wilco in 2011. I think this wouldn't be a bad place to start. Yeah, I think you're right. What do you think the warts are on this record? Well, maybe the length of songs. I, I don't know. I, I think the the closing song on the album, you know, it's twelve minutes long. Mm-hmm. One Sunday morning. I think it's kind of beautiful, but it re- did it really need to be twelve minutes long? Yeah, it, it is pretty repetitive. But I I find myself listening to the whole track. Yeah. Um, the the one thing I I I find as a as maybe a bit of a distraction is that. The Art of Almost into I Might is such a great transition, and I go back to those two songs again and again and again. It, it, it makes it a little difficult for me to get deeper into the record, which isn't really a criticism at all. It's yeah. just saying that I love the first two tracks so much. Yeah. yeah. I do think the record gets a little samey as you go through in the middle. Um, it, it gets, I mean, Jeff's Jeff's voice has never been... It's not that good. No, it isn't. But that's kind of the beauty of it, you know. I mean, I mean, what about Dylan? He's he's less than not that good, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right about that. But it it gets a little samey after a while, and I, I do wish that he had a little more uh, range in his voice. But yeah. you know. and they're not like a harmony band either, are they? No, no, no not yeah. so much. Not I guess so they, much. they know their strong points. Yeah, <laughs> wailing on the guitars. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming in. It's Steve from uh, NPR News. Steve Nelson, thank you for coming in. We'll see you, Bill. And Brett Baldwin, our senior web producer with The Current. Thank Happy you to be coming. here, Bill. Mm-hmm. Thank All you. right. It's Wilco's The Whole Love here on Music Heads. Uncle Miracles attack.
to Music Heads, music news for music lovers. Time now for the essentials. We'll let you know what records are must-haves to any Music Heads collection. Joining me today is our morning show co-host, Mr. Steve Seal. Hi, Steve. Hello, Bill. Nice to be here. Nice to have you here. What do you want to talk about today, Steve? Well, this pick is uh, came to mind easily as far as an essential to have in your collection. It's funny, though, uh, when I first heard this record, I hated it. I did not get it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Brian Eno's Here Come the Warm Jets, uh, released in 1973. Um, I knew Eno was this kind of uh, icon of adventures and of uh, adventurous music when I was in high school because, as you know, I'm this big uh, prog freak. So, uh, so you that's... didn't discover him through the U2 album? No, right? no, no. I, I discovered him because, I mean, I knew of the association with Robert Fripp being from King Crimson. and sure. this, You know, I was... I was listening to an awful lot of Prague, your favorite kind of music, uh, when I was in high school. And uh, uh, so uh, anyway, uh, you know, I I've hated this thing because I, I bought it, totally sound unseen, and uh, listened to it and thought, well, where's all the guitar solos? You know, where's all the screaming hot instrumentals well, you and the cool find playing? A, yeah, I didn't find a lot of those in this album, then, did you? No, yeah. no, because, you know, I, I didn't get it because it was just all over the place. Uh, I thought, you know, this is just weird. It's just straight up weird. Before long, thankfully... Uh, I started to figure out what was going on in this record, and it was kind of transformative to me, actually. You know, was into experimentation, uh, you know, just like all my prog heroes, but it was a different kind. Rather than being a virtuoso musician, he was into conceptual art. He went to art school. You know, he was one of those guys that was into the sort of the process and that sort of thing. So it was more cerebral. I mean, mm-hmm. he even described himself as a non-musician. So... He'd make these bizarre suggestions to the musicians. He'd get weird people together that never played before because he actually wanted there to be like problems in the studio and to see how yeah. they would resolve resolve yeah. them, you know? And his, it wasn't he more of a conductor for this album than a, yeah. than a performer? Yeah, well, he, mm-hmm. he's, he's the kind of guy he is for a lot of records. I mean, even the records that he's uh, gone on to produce great Grammy-winning records for the likes of uh, of U2 and, right. you know, of course, those great David Bowie records that he worked on in the 70s as well, the, the so-called Low Trilogy. This is where it all began with him setting up just strange sort of accidents to happen in the studio. Yeah. And what you get, because he 
he'd of course come out of Roxy Music and he was still wearing the uh, the eyeliner and the feather boas and all and the crazy the, clothes. That, kind of this crazy looking was you know almost a mullet I suppose. Kind huh? of a bizarro <laughs> mullet. Yeah, uh, red, a red know, mullet. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he was still doing that. He was still looking that way. Uh, having come out of Roxy Music, and so there was that sort of kooky, glammy thing going yeah. on. But he was uh, he was melding it with weird experimentation. So it wasn't like it was it was like cerebral T Rex, I guess. It's not t- terribly sexy music, but fascinating. You, you can't boogie to it. You can't either. boogie to an awful <laughs> lot of it, no. But um, but I gotta say that uh, when you put on the first track of this record, which is called "Needles in the Camel's Eye," by the way, another one of the trademarks of of Eno's lyric writing is that. Um, um, they're just nonsense. They're just like a bunch of words put together. He said it took uh, longer to, to actually record the song than it did to think of the lyrics to this one. So he's just making them up as he goes along. But, you know, you can't deny that you're hearing something just really weird and experimental and cool with the song. this album is essential I think it's essential because uh, like I said Eno went on to be such one of the most major producers in rock and roll Mm -hmm. basically uh, having made total career-changing records for the likes of U2 and Talking Heads and and uh, and Bowie and and people like Devo the first Devo record and uh, you know his methods in all of those records were the same to basically come in and say I'm going to uh, set up a problem, and you guys are going to have to fix it. I'm going to I'm going to basically set up a bunch of contradictory circumstances, and you guys are going to fix it. Very very strange way to approach a, approach a record, but he does it as an yeah. artist in that way. I imagine it wouldn't work at all with some artists, huh? No, you, you you'd have to be really that kind of person who would be very very uh, open to handing over control to somebody. Yeah, like in. I can't see the Rolling Stones making an album. <laughs> I with, can't really either, <laughs> especially Mick. No, <laughs> neither Mick nor Keith would yeah, be yeah, would be yeah. into that, but. You got to be looking for that kind of thing, so uh, you know it, it was it was where all that began, uh, and you know so it launched his career as a force to begin with, uh, and he went on to you know invent three or four other kinds of music after that, and this is the record that really gave him the platform. But, but like I said, if the record were just interesting conceptually, it wouldn't be a, a classic that I'd be recommending, and the reason that I am is because um, I think the record kicks ass. It's got fantastic melodies on it. It's got extremely. W- Fun songs that are utterly bizarre, but uh, like Dead Finks Don't Talk, where he's doing this as sort of like English gangster. It's just weird and hilarious and uh, and just terrific. Oh, you headless chicken! Can those poor teeth take so much kicking? You're always so charming. As you pick your way up there And these things don't 
I was reading about it a little bit, and uh, I'm not that familiar with this album. I'm kind of intrigued with the possibilities of it now because it says it's avant-garde yet accessible. It is. You know, it's certainly avant-garde in uh, in concept, but it's not avant-garde like you would listen to a John Zorn record or some sort of totally... Uh, you know, uh, just atonal, experimental kind of stuff. Eno was never really into that yeah. sort of thing. I mean, it's songs. It's melodic songs. And the melodies are huge. They're mile wide. And when, by the time you get to the last track, which is uh, the title track, you have no idea what he's saying. The, 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 ve- the vocals are so buried in the mix. People have speculated for 35 years what in the hell he's actually singing. But it doesn't matter. You know, just make up your own words and sing along to the melody. Mm-hmm. Well, Steve, it's really been a pleasure chatting with you about uh, this album called Here Come the Warm Jets, 1974 music from Brian Eno. What song should we listen to to, to close up our little feature? Here? I think uh, we should go out here with actually a, a ballad uh, because I think this is a gorgeous song. This is called On Some Faraway Beach, the track that uh, starts off side two. Thanks again, Steve. Thank you, Bill. Given the Heads from 89.3 The Current and Minnesota Public Radio. I want to thank my colleagues for contributing to the show, including Melanie Walker, Steve Nelson from NPR News, The Current's web guy Brett Baldwin, big props to Janet Weiss of Wild Flag for chatting with me about some of the music she's been digging. And as always, special thanks to our executive producer Melanie Walker and to Derek Stevens for helping to make this show happen, and to our intern Alex Wright. Thanks to members of Minnesota Public Radio and The Current for making shows like this one happen, and thanks to you for listening. Find us at thecurrent.org slash musicheads. We'll wrap up this week's show with a sneak peek of a track from Atlas Sound. It's a side project from Bradford Cox of the band Deer Hunter. The new album is called Parallax. And here's a tune called Te Amo from the forthcoming album, which is expected in early November. We'll catch you in a week for another Musicheads. Heads.